I am love. I am light. I am enough. I stay in therapy. I go to therapy as preventive care. Sex positivity means all sex is good sex as long as it's healthy and consensual. How's it going? Good. I'm ready for a nap. A nice day outside. So part of me is like, I should go outside. And the other part of me is like, no, it's like I'm on your couch forever. Just in case if any of y'all don't know, I'm Mai. And I'm Julian. And I'm Indy. Thanks for checking in with us and listening. Yeah, I'm excited for today's episode. Yeah, it's a really, really good one. Kevin and some guests are talking and diving into the issues surrounding sex, dating, and fat phobia in the queer community and just in the community in general. And it's super insightful. I'm super excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, I mean, this month is February, obviously. I think that's when this episode's launching anyway, right? And, you know, Valentine's Day just passed. And so I think that this is a really appropriate and relevant topic to talk about with everyone snatching up or not snatching up and, you know, doing their own thing and loving yourself and what love can look like for not just internally, but how you, what's it called, exude that onto other people or rather how you love on other people as well, whether it's like platonically, romantically and stuff like that. So this is a really, really great episode and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Kevin Anderson will be talking about that and y'all should take a listen and dive in. Here we go. So this is uh, Kevin Anderson, and this is the second episode of the fifth season. And I am really, really excited because this is my first time. I'm I'm with the Veer Queer Spectrum South family. And yes, this is going to be so good. I have some amazing folks with me today, and we're going to jump right into this. So just so you guys know this, you know, everybody listening, our topic for today is uh, dating, fat phobia, and love. And so who I've brought with us today, really some uh, amazing transparent folks that are really going to be able to share their story. And I'm just uh, I want you guys to just jump right in. Like, literally, let's start at, at my right, which is uh, Ian Haddock. Um, share who you are. Give us a little bit about you. So I am Ian L. Haddock. I am one of your nominees for Male Identifying Pride Grand Marshal. Please vote for me. I'm also the executive director of the Normal Anomaly Initiative, a digital storytelling organization. And finally, but not lastly, I am the president of Impulse Group Houston, an amazing organization. And I just talk my stuff. You know, I am choosing not to say bad words. So I talk my stuff. Well, talk your stuff, but you really try to give us like phone sex voice. I- Um, so congratulations to ian on your your nomination man and uh we're really proud of you thank you thank you thank you thank you you know i do it for the people excellent (laughs) 
Marnina, what you got for us? So I am Marnina Miller. I am a community organizer. I am an activist. And most of my work really revolves around the intersection of women living with HIV or youth living with HIV. I am the executive director of Florida Sunshine here based in Houston, Texas. I'm also a greater than AIDS ambassador and a youth across borders ambassador and all around bad yeah, no. <laughs> and she flies. She got her shoulders out today. You know, giving her sexy shoulders. And no bra. No, it's a no bra. And no bra. It's a no bra day. <laughs> Shadad, uh, introduce yourself. Well, hello, guys. Uh, my name is Shadad McCant. I am a licensed professional counselor here in the Houston, Texas area, currently working for Be Busy Wellness Center, all things health and wellness. More importantly, I am an African-American woman bold and beautiful, living with HIV for the last 24 years. And I have a specialty in doing work around, of course, working with individuals living with HIV, um, specifically women of color and looking at the disparities that plague that part, um, that community. And also I am the CEO and founder of To Know Us To Live, which is a nonprofit that is all things um, HIV education advocacy. And I'm excited to be here with you guys. There's so much about me, but that's a little bit that I'm going to give you. Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited to have you here. I mean, it's so moving forward, like all the segments that are recorded um, by myself will we'll definitely have a uh, professional counselor on board, therapist. You know, it's always important to me to make sure when we have these conversations, we have somebody in the room that, you know, that's working with folks beyond us, you know. And so um really excited that you are with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here and I thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We um I had given the title earlier, but you know, today we're looking at it's February, so was, you know, let's let's stick with the typical Valentine's Day thing. And then uh, it's also Black History Month. So, you know, um everybody sitting at this table that's on the mic is uh African American or have a uh, nice brown melanin um on their skin. So um we're celebrating both today. Um and we want to jump into just really talking about dating. We want to talk about fat phobia because I know I've I've been in a couple of situations where I've heard Marnina begin having some conversation about that. And I was like, well this is the perfect time to bring her in to talk about it. And then of course love, you know, how does that play into all this? And so really my first, I just really want to put out and ask, you know, um, first of all, what's everybody's pronouns? Let me check in. Ian. So Ian's pronouns are whatever you call me, but if it's important to you, it's a he, she, and they. He, she, and they. Yes. Okay. Oh, I never knew that. I didn't either. That's good to know. So uh, Marnina, my pronouns are she and queen. She and Queen. Okay. Okay. Um, Shadam McCants and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Okay. All right now. And mine are he, him, and his. Let's talk about, you know, and I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you because I think at the table, um, you are currently single, right? Yes. Okay. So he's still giving that voice. Yes. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So It'll come out in a about, second. Uh, dating, because I know just the other night you and I kind of got into a conversation with some other folks um, about what dating looks like now. And, you know, so just to give some background on me, I've been um, I'm currently married, been in my relationship for 11 years, 11 years ago. There were no phone apps and all that kind of stuff. So I don't even understand how to navigate that world. But you were kind of talking about that. So talking to talk about what dating is like now. Um in your skin. Yeah. 
uh, Dayton feels really uncomfortable. So um, it seems like as my, if you would, star begins to brighten, uh, it begins to be really, really difficult to date. Uh, number one, um, you're really objectified in this season. For me, um, there's always a conversation on, you know, BBC, because now uh, other races are interested. Right. Because now I didn't you know, I'm I'm privileged for the for the white people, if you would. Um, and, so, and BBC is what? Big black cop. OK. Right. You need to put that so, out there. Yeah. So everybody knew. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. I get that at least 20 times a day. Um, and it's generally the first question. Um, and unfortunately, since on those apps, I don't have paid subscriptions. I generally reach my blocking limit probably um, by 10 a.m. And so <laughs> that's one issue. The other issue is um, no one wants to casually date, it seems. Everyone uh, wants to go from I know you, we go out on a date, and let's get married. Um, I think that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and so because of that, Though I consider myself a super sex positive person, though I'm super interested in like any person, I'm, I consider myself pansexual. The issue is um, I can't I can't get good sex. I can't get good dates. And uh, since I don't consider myself having a BBC, I consider it very average. Um, I don't get good answers on Grinder. Okay. That ain't what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I actually want to come back a little later to that uh, sex positive piece because yeah. that's newer for me, too. And definitely want to have some dialogue around that. Marnine, I know you're in a relationship, but before this relationship, you were single. Yeah. So talk about that. Um, I think dating, living in a larger body and dating is difficult, um, especially when we are fetishized. Ever since I think Drake came out with that song talking about talking about he want a BBW, everybody and their granddaddy has been in my DMs. <laughs> and I think I've actually gotten more dates being almost 300 pounds than I have when I was a lot smaller. So I think the fetishism of living in a larger body has made dating a lot more difficult because I want someone that wants me not for what they see on the outside. I want someone to love me for my personality. So it has made dating a little difficult. Um, but. I have found a loving partner and we've been dating for almost six months and, you know, I'm pretty happy with her. So, yeah. That was all sweet and stuff. I know. Oh, I really like her. I really like her. So, you know, hopefully one day wedding bells or something. I guess I'm like talking about what Ian was talking about earlier, talking about I want to go, go from uh, yes, <laughs> dating to marriage. Right, right? Yeah. going from dating to want to be in a wedding. But, you know, that's that's my dream, you know, yeah. one day to have kids and, you know, being in with a partner. And, you know, that's what I want. So. And I, you know, I always think, too, I think if a person really, really kind of remains in that space of just kind of trying to stay as grounded as they can and their thoughts, like you have these whatever we would consider fantasy or whatever, right? Like I wasn't that dude like it took me eight years to like really really get into it you know but um for some it works you know and but just really having some folks around you that will you know nudge and be like girl slow it down a little bit just slow it down baby girl so um i'm sure you have some of those around you you know and um uh i want to ask shadon like when you think about your so you're a licensed professional counselor like what, what does that mean what what, what I want the, the audience to really understand the, the depths of work that you do. 
Um, so as a licensed professional counselor, it's counselor, therapist, um, it's those are the things those are the main two titles that we have um, and or social worker we're all in the field of helping what we do is of course we've had to go to school some of us this is for me um let me change that statement so you'll know um counseling is something for me that is very innate um i didn't have to go to school i felt like um to do the work that i've been doing as i tell people i've been counseling since i was in middle school or elementary actually on the playground giving advice and encouraging and 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 giving hope since i was little so this is something that i know i would always want to do um but yes i am a counselor so what i do is i sit on that in that chair and allow you to lay on that couch and just tell me your life story <laughs> And hope that um, there is something that I can do um, in that moment um, where you are, whether it's um, a transition, whether you're dealing with grief, whether you're dealing with um, whatever it is that presents that brings you into that room. I'm able to encourage you to do something different. And hopefully when you leave there, live your best life. Um, I'm big on a lot of looking at the parts of us. Um, I'm big on trauma and how that impacts who we are today. So I'm really just an individual that I just love you um, where you are and encourage you to move forward um, with creating a toolbox so that when I'm not present, you know what to do. You know what to do. Yeah, that's really I always tell individuals as an advocate for mental health and someone that has um, had a couple of therapists along mm-hmm. his journey uh, to I threw out the room. Uh, I'm sorry, I ran out their room. But the one that I did trust um I began to understand that these tools are important, you know, like really it's when I'm away from you. Like Mm -hmm. if I was laying on your couch Mm -hmm. as a client, um, if I was laying on your couch, um, then, you know, the reality is I'm hoping that you're providing something that I could uh, utilize when I'm not on the couch. You know, so I was really happy to hear you share that. But talk a little bit about some of what, you know, uh, Ian and Marina's really kind of Marnina has talked about uh, their journey, but. What what are some of the some of the things that you're seeing on the couch when it comes to dating and love and and what kind of what is that doing to folks like what are they sharing? So love, I think the bigger question is and I will propose it to the room, but, you know, it's just something to think about you guys out there. What is love? I think that's one of the bigger questions that we have to continue to ask ourselves. What is love and where does love start? Um, You know, for some, if you're a Christian um, or you have a spiritual root, it's um, the scripture that's in, of course, in Corinthians. I can't tell you exactly because I am not a Bible belt, but it is love is patience. Love is kind. Love is, you know, gentle. Um, Love is you know, slow to anger. And for some, I think that's the biggest thing is discovering what is love. I'm definitely um, finding men and women who are coming in asking that question. You know, you said it in and it's so I laughed and I jotted it down, you know, that casual dating, it doesn't exist. I think one of the things that I find, you know, I ask my clients often about is when we talk about dating and they say, oh yeah, I want to be married or I want to be in a relationship. I ask them, have you dated yourself? You know, have you done that? And do you know what love really looks like? Do you have self-love? Do you have self-worth? Have you spent time with yourself? And I think that's one of the biggest questions we talk about, um, or at least I talk about with my clients about dating and love is do you, one, love yourself? And if so, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. I need you to actually describe it to me. Um, And secondly, then is have you dated yourself? 
Because guess what? If you haven't dated yourself, don't nobody else want to date you if you don't really um you know what is what are your 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 do's your don'ts what are your corks um so yes it's very important to one know what it means to love yourself first um for me that means loving as you said marnina every part of me not just the outside but the inside of me um you know what's in here the light and the love and sometimes the, even the dark places i need you to be able to love that and so i encourage my clients to get to know themselves i encourage my clients also when we start talking about dating and what that looks like is what is the last time you took yourself to the movies when is the last time you were able to sit at the bar by yourself and have a, a good drink and a good laugh and maybe just look at the people around and just people watch? When is the last time you took yourself on a stroll through the park and just sat with nature yourself? And isn't it kind of like, isn't it really amazing how many people fear all of those things you just mentioned, I happen to love all of them. I don't know if it's the only child syndrome, but the reality is I love those spaces. But a lot of people have a hard time with it. They do. Um, they have a very difficult time being by themselves. Um, and for you, of course, is that, you know, you're you were the only child. So you had to, you know, make up little friends and little ghosts and, you know, do all of that. But for us, I didn't do none of that. Y'all. <laughs> just, just to put it out real quick. He probably had the little monster in his bed. I had video games. That's what I had. I was you know, I was. Exactly. But, you know, for us who were raised, you know, in households with siblings, um, you're used to that companionship. So you're used to having someone by you. And so it's a little difficult, again, to just sit by yourself. But you got to get quiet. You know, I encourage them to get quiet. I think the other question, you know, to piggyback off of what you said, Ian, talking about dating is really defining what is dating. You know, people have, and I don't know if you want to ask this question of you two to ask that question. You know, I ask people, so what is your situation though? You know, because it's dating, we just kicking it, we just talking, it's all these labels. And so it's really, what are we doing here? So you called it, you know, quick casual dating into marriage. Um, But sometimes people don't even know what they're doing. I think that's the other thing that's missing is that communication piece. You don't even know what you're doing. So like, for instance, and I'll ask this question of you, of Marnina and Ian. So when you meet somebody, what is, what do you call that? So it's like you meet them, you get the number, you exchange. So where does it go from we're just getting to know each other till we're dating, till we're in a relationship? I think that is a big key thing that people often miss. So what do you guys think about that? Hmm, I think... So I call it the talking phase. Okay. I don't know how, you know, I'm from up north. I'm from Michigan. Just a dis- disclaimer. And so we up north, we call it talking. So I'm talking. We talking. If I get your number, we go on a couple dates. We hanging out. We're just talking. Now, once you ask me to be your girlfriend, then, you know, we're in a relationship. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's really nuanced um, because. I think it's nothing without a conversation. (laughs) I think it's really important to establish parameters that aren't restrictive. Um, And so for me, we we could be nothing. (laughs) We could be absolutely nothing. We could be texting each other. We could be hanging out and we could be nothing unless there's a conversation. I think uh, what I found in my situations is that people get real comfortable with your ability to date 
Right. Like I know how to date well, just as well as I know how to have sex. Right. Um, But the issue is me knowing how to date and me dating you is different. Mm -hmm. And without a conversation, it's nothing. Right. So, I mean, Ian, you you make a really. Yeah. I mean, it's I get it for me. Like I'm going back to. Uh, like I said, I've been in my my relationship 11 years, but I remember and and, and my husband actually uh, talks about me about this all the time. We were in Austin and, you know, probably have been seeing each other dating for a couple of months. And he always says that we were at the hotels, our first trip out of town. And I just asked him, will you go with me? <laughs> so I laugh about that because like Marnina was sharing what it's like back in Michigan. That's all I knew because I hadn't had anybody in my life since I was like younger. So I said, let me use the uh, the template of what has worked in the past. You know, but it's, it's, uh, Shadon, I, I love that you asked, what does it even look like? Because um, part of the conversation Ian and I were having um, some days ago, like I'm almost well, I'm not going to say fearful. That's a judgmental statement. But I will say that when I look at like my younger brothers and I don't really know what it's like for women when it comes to phone apps and all that stuff. But like that's all that they really seem to have when it comes to trying to connect. And it seems so um instantly gratifying, which is why it probably has an addictive quality to so, it. So let's talk about that. Ian. It's really interesting. So today, something really cool, uh, but interesting happened. So I was talking to someone uh, on a break, um, you know, just chilling, talking to someone. And we were developing a kinship. Um, a friendship, like just actually just having a conversation. We had never had a conversation. And then uh, I was on an app and the person popped up on the app and I swiped right on the app. And right means that I was interested. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, we're still having a conversation. And then I get a notification. You got a new match. And it was the person. And we were sitting there talking. (laughs) But that's how... That's how this world works, right? We were sitting there having a conversation based upon like kinship and friendship and growing and growth, but we're both interested in each other. That is like (laughs) the perfect example, real life example of how this world now works, where um, there is the only comfort we have in telling people we're interested is through finding oh, it out goodness. on the app. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. So that that's how you all communicated. Yeah. Interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through an app. So where was the other conversation being had? Was it all like text message? No, we were talking. We were in literally person? in person. Oh, while, wow. scro- while scrolling okay. on their phones. Yeah. Okay. See. I get it. Yeah. So I get it. I it's 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 really it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Um the same thing happened this weekend. I went out to uh one of the one of the party spots that I never go to. And it's this guy who I've seen on the apps all the time. And uh in full disclosure, he's a sex worker. So I never spoke to him. For two reasons. Number one, I do a lot of work around sex work and I'm I'm super sex positive. I think sex work, sex work needs to be decriminalized and that we need to um, we definitely need to find space 
for them to do what they need to do. But I ain't going to pay you because it's a lot of free sex. But sex work is real and it's work. Right. So I never hit him up. But he also knows the work that I do. So we we finally saw each other out and he just he dresses so well. He's so cute. (laughs) And I was tipsy and it was at the after hours. And I said, let me have one more drink and I'm going to go tell him how cute he is. And um, I had one more drink and then I was tipsy. So we left and I got (laughs) I got driven home by my my sunny son son. And I was on the app. And I decided to tell him, hey, you're so handsome. On the app. On the app. So today he asked me out on Valentine's Day on the app. But we were right there. I wonder, I mean, but so, and I want to I get into because I have a question for Marlena, right? But I'm wondering how to, is there a way to like switch that narrative up a yeah. little bit? Like, could you actually go in personally and actually exercise? Okay, so, I'm about to push myself. So I, I bring this up for a reason. And I like to use myself, even though it may come across as like demeaning my experience. But I think I represent a lot of what the community is feeling. Right. There is this fear and this and this point where this confidence. um, One of my mentors says this performative confidence. Right. Is forced to. Uh, perform in a way that that you're not used to. Right. So the performative confidence comes because my profile says a lot about me. My profile has my Instagram where I'm pretty cool and pretty popular. My profile has the best pictures that I know how to show with the right angles and the perfect contouring. Um, My profile has a lot of words and affiliations. And currently my profile, because Everything is about promoting me being Pride Grand Marshal. Currently, the the name on my profile says "Vote Me Pride Grand Marshal." So I know that that comes a lot. That comes with a lot of you know notoriety and acclaim and um, some popularity and some influence, right? And so um, the reality is, it's easier to use that because in person I may not be able to show the performative confidence. Um, and I think that that is representative of uh, the communities that I intersect and city in. I think, you know, we do all these things. We wear all these nice clothes. We go out to all these nice places. We hang around these nice people. And it's not just fat people like I identify. Um, it's not just black people like I identify, but it's people in general. We're so comfortable with this performative confidence versus working through what that actually feels like and working through um, our fear of rejection. Um, and, and it's weird because personally, I understand that rejection is a part of um, the win. It's a part of like getting to that win. But um, relationally, it's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, of course, as the therapist in the space, that's exactly what I was going to talk about is when you talk about, well, how can you change that narrative? And that's part of changing the narrative is being OK with scarcity. And that is the the thought of or the premise of not being enough or not having enough Oh yeah. Um, or the feelings or the fear of rejection um, and the feelings of worth of worthiness. When you are able to identify those um, those triggers, then, yes, that's how we change the narrative. You have to know. And you said it, Ian, is be OK with rejection is a part of 
we're going to go through it. Rejection happens. Um, but being okay with, is it that they're rejecting you, the person, or is it something, you know, about you or the situation or the circumstances that they're rejecting, but that's normal. Um, and also that feeling or, you know, getting or getting away from the feeling of worth of worthiness. We are worthy. We are good enough. But when we now know that we live in a society that is big on scarcity of not having enough, not being enough, where we live in a world full of, you know, social media and, you know, the community, the, the world of um, basically social media and the Internet, it impacts the way in which we move, in which we we operate. Then, yes, that's part of why that narrative is what it is, because I can I can kind of hide behind something versus face it face on. So, you know, and in, in thinking about this question, I'm just I'm curious you all, as you're speaking now, like you're in a, a space of comfort in your skin, right? Because we hadn't even really jumped heavily into what fat phobia is, but everybody's not where you all are, which is who Shadon is talking about. So talk a little bit about what fat phobia is and what has actually gotten you to the point um, of your comfort in moving forward. Because I, I know everything she just expressed, everyone in this room has felt. So before I give the definition of fat phobia, I guess I'll talk a little bit about my journey with living in a larger body and being fat, because that's how I identify as a fat person and living in a larger body. And um, I think I became so confident with myself and so in love with Barnina because I went on a self-love journey after my HIV diagnosis seven years ago. I was devastated and it was so devastating for me to the point where I needed to find out who was I like I was having sex with folks because I felt like I wasn't worthy and once me and my therapist got to that point I was like you know what maybe I need to like Miss Shadon said love myself what does that look like for me I need to take myself on dates I need to figure out what makes Marnina tick I need to play with my vagina a little bit and see what she likes like I I really need to figure out who I am and what I want in this world Mm -hmm. and so I took myself on a self-love journey and I have literally perfected it y'all like I date myself I do affirmations in the morning I love on me I constantly I look at my I get fully naked in my whole body just literally in a mirror in front and I say my I am statements everyone I'm beautiful I'm worthy I'm enough I'm important and I think me taking myself on a self-love journey and I go on these like maybe every year I'll carve out like 30 days and I'll even get myself off of social media just so I can just fall back in love with myself, even if I'm with or without a partner so that I know that even if I'm not partnered, I'm still loved. And so, um, through that self-love journey, I also stumbled upon fat phobia because I didn't know anything about fat phobia. I didn't know it existed. I just knew that I felt some type of way because I was fat and I was upset about it. And instead of me like losing weight and doing all this crazy stuff, like, you know, going to go get, and not saying that if you lose weight, you're crazy. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is when folks go to the extreme, you know what I mean? When they starve themselves, when they go on these fad diets, when they, um, you know, just go through these extremes to be smaller, you know, it, it, it can be psychologically damaging because I've been there. And so, what fat phobia is, it's literally, it's not the fear of fat people, but it's when folks look at folks in a larger body and discriminate against them because they live in a larger body. So that's what fat phobia is. It's when you put on your dating apps, no fats, 
It's when you purposely go not date folks because they are fat or when you see people in the store, you make fun of them because they are fat. Or when you see a big girl in a crop top and you take a picture of her and send it to your friend. All of that stuff is fat phobia. Even us looking at bigger women like Lizzo and saying, oh, she's disgusting because she's showing her larger body in bathing suits. All of that is fat phobia. And so for me, it's been really, really transformative and really, really helpful and impactful in my life to really understand that fat phobia comes from racism. It comes from slavery. Just really delving into what fat phobia means and how I got here and how I got here Mm -hmm. um, has just transformed my life. And um, I think once folks really get into the meat of what fat phobia is, especially if you're living in a larger body, really delving into the definition of it and really understanding it from a cultural standpoint, you'll understand that your body is perfect no matter what it looks like. Yeah. And I, um, earlier I was talking to somebody and I was sharing with them that, yeah, like on the the, the apps and, and even internet, um, for a lot of the boys, like some of the things that we'll see is no fats, no fems. Yeah. And I just saw Shadon. She she was she made the face because she's like, is this shit real? But it is real. Are you, no, can you imagine? Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. It's real. So that's a whole nut like a femophobia. We have to have that yeah. conversation but, one day. But but it's 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 a it's uh so stuck on the no fat. Yes. Yeah, no, no fat, it's no it's fems. it's actually pretty pretty normal to have. Yeah, it's actually pretty normal to have no fats, no films on these profiles. Uh, most profiles have something that alludes to no fats, no films on the profile. Um, we live in a society that um, celebritizes um, the European body type. Uh, and it's so un- it's so unfortunate, but. Unlike Marnina, my journey to self-love was one of like getting fat saved my life. I think that's going to be the title of my memoir, uh, Getting Fat Saved My Life. Um, I was a vapid, superficial, no fats, no films type of person uh, as I grew up. I was I was uh, extremely sexualized as a kid. Uh, I was a sex worker with a nice body. I was having sex with everybody. I over-sexualized myself. Um, I was my body. That's all I felt like I had to offer. Uh, that's the only value I I had in place in my mind. Um, and a combination of sex therapy and getting fat saved my life because sex therapy had to teach me um, why I only valued myself sexually. Um, and getting fat helped me find other things other than my vapid superficiality to bring to the table. Um, there was I always led with sex because I didn't feel like because I don't have an academic background that I was smart enough. Uh, I led with sex because um, because I never had done anything creative. I didn't think I was creative enough. I led with sex because though I had some talents around like church and religiosity, uh, I didn't feel like I was Christian enough. Right. So it was all of these not enough statements that you spoke about, Shadon, that I was feeling and getting fat forced me to say, hold on, you no longer can depend on being the cute boy. You no longer can depend on being the thin boy that's that's sexy and, and, and the normal sense of sexy. And so 
Now I'm to this, I'm to a space, Kevin, where I completely understand that I am sexy. Um, and I'm, I'm not just sexy because of my size. I'm sexy because of what I bring to the table. I'm sexy because of what I can create. I'm sexy if I had none of this, right? Um, I walk into the space and, you know, um, just just side note, the, the, the power in finding yourself sexy is you attract sexy and sexy is not even about attracting. I'm, you know, on my soapbox just for a second. Sexy is not even about attracting other sexy people, though that does happen when you really feel sexy, when you really feel good enough, when you really feel better enough. But sexy attracts sexy cars, sexy attracts sexy clothes, sexy attracts sexiness. And so. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, Don't make no, me shout at him because I was over here about to shout. I was about to break out the tambourine. <laughs> but I want to ask this question, though, because, you know, I'm, I'm over here sitting down and I feel sexy. You know, and so in my sexiness, the reality is I've been having sex with the same person for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, unlike Barnina with her affirmations, I'm in the mirror saying, how the hell is he attracted to this? <laughs> Mm, yeah. That's real. Yeah. So how how are you all pulling yourself out of that? And then uh Shadon, I want you to talk after that about some <laughs> some other techniques of what the listeners like some things that we can do to move forward but how are you all pulling yourself out of that moment because i know you have to have Yeah. I I mean the the truth of the matter is for me it because i know what it is like to be uh eurocentrically sexy like my issue is never about my body. It's about just not being good enough. So I look at myself and I say, oh, you just don't feel good enough. You need to go get a haircut because a haircut will make you feel better about yourself. Oh, you need to, you know, you need to go wash your car because that's what, you know, it becomes like this materialization of things. Right. Um, And how I am constantly pulling on myself pulling myself up by the bootstraps is number one, I stay in therapy. I go to therapy as preventive care. Yes. yes, Right. Go to therapy as preventive care. That, (laughs) that simply means just so we can be clear on what I'm saying about that is nothing. You don't have to have quote unquote, anything wrong to go to therapy just to keep that boost happening. Right. So I just stay in therapy even when things are going great, especially when things are going great. Um, and then second of all, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps because I realized that um, there's this book that I think everybody should read. It's my Bible. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And in The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, it talks about this idea. Yeah, write that down. Uh, <laughs> the reason why it's important is, is because it talks about narcissism. And narcissism is always looked at as this idea of a person that walks around and says, you know, I'm the baddest, I'm the cutest, you know, nobody can touch me. It's always looked at in this like super um, hyper positive uh, light. But really, narcissism is also in its simplest form, thinking that you are the only one dealing with something. Uh, yes, that's but true. That's true. Narcissism is think is this idea that I am an anomaly in feeling this kind of way. And so what I've realized in my narcissist my non-narcissistic self is that everyone is feeling not good enough. Everyone has a moment where they're not feeling like they're the best, like they're doing the best, like they're doing the work. And so when I start thinking about that and I just start reaching out, I'll reach out to you when I'm not feeling good enough. And you'll tell me, oh, I felt like that two years ago. That's normal. 
you're not a bad guy. That's just not good about you. Right. You have people that they don't even know that they're giving you that boost because you realize you realize I reach out to Shadon. She say, well, I'm glad you feel like that, too, because I wanted to tell you. I just didn't know if we had that kind of relationship. Right. You know what I mean? You reach out to people when you when you understand. Hold on. I can't be the only one feeling this way. Everyone is feeling this same way. And that in itself is a powerful move. Marnina, what about you? Oh, so I'm just like Ian. I use uh, therapy. Therapy is preventative care. Um, but also, I'm going to be very transparent in this moment. And not a lot of folks know this, but um, I do suffer from depression. And so I take antidepressants every day to make sure that I stay balanced, you know, to make sure that my health is where it needs to be. And so that's my prevention. Um, and another thing is reading something like Ian was saying about a book, my favorite book is The Four Agreements. You know, don't take stuff personally. It's one of those four agreements. And sometimes it's uh, it's you may feel that way because you may think about what other folks may say about you. But like I was saying, when I look in the mirror and I literally peel off everything and even masturbation really, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but masturbation can really make you feel like get you back into the mode of loving yourself and loving your body and loving the skin you're in. And then too, like Ian was saying about um, being around other folks, I'm an extrovert. I'm an extroverted person and I get my energy off of other people. Like be, just being in this room with all of these voices today is something that's going to carry me for the next week. And so um, being around family and friends and even having my cat, my cat is something that um i have a little cat her name's egypt i was about to make sure you're talking about the meow <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay all right all right <laughs> hey egypt <laughs> you know i do like some other cat but we ain't gonna talk about that right now um <laughs> so um i do love my 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 kitten and she's amazing and um that's part of my prevention too to make sure that i stay up on the up and up of loving myself and it it's not going to be, it's not perfect. And that's why I go on that self-love journey once a year, because I think that it's so important that folks fall in love with themselves before you can fall in love with anybody else. You got to totally be in love with yourself. Let me share something real quick. Cause I, I feel like this, uh, that was a good lead into the uh, sex, sex positivity, which I'm still not the clearest on. So I want to talk about that, but uh, full disclosure. So I realized what's, what's today, Monday? No, I don't know what day it is, but anyway, <laughs> Um, I realized on Saturday that I had not masturbated in 22 days. Now I've had sex because I'm, you know, but I, so I jacked and it was important. Like it was, it was, it was like this gratifying moment. The first time in my life at I'm 45 years old that I realized the importance of self-pleasure. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I'm just sharing because, you know, you mentioned, but I just think it's important that we understand our body and the pleasure that we bring, how important that is. Now, that's probably a whole nother topic, but um, we'll get on that another time. <laughs> but that's the ultimate act of self-love. Yeah. yeah that's self-love yeah, and it. self-care. Because that goes it. back to not waiting on someone to do it for yes, you. You can do it for yes, yourself. That is a yes. part of loving you. Mm -hmm. It's nothing wrong. You should know yourself inside and out. You, I mean, you just should. And so as you asked about what are they doing and how do they maintain um, that love? And so what are some tools, you know, we talked about? And honestly, you guys, you know, hit it on the nail as we talk about, you know, scarcity um, in the world in which we live um, of not being enough. 
definitely one of the things that I want to encourage and I encourage my clients to do is take a social media break. You, you know, you talked about you talked about the self-love journey in that and on that self-love journey. Part of that is give social media a break. Social media is there. It, you know, Ian said it, it has filter upon filter upon filter. Let me ask the audience and you to think about this. When is the last time you put a post out there with no makeup, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, hair natural, your toes not done, your nails not done. And you really put the post out there. I did uh, a couple of days ago. Exactly. But how messing, you know, normally I don't uh, wear the the lashes. (laughs) (laughs) I am talking to those that do. Those that do, right? (laughs) Those that, you know, love the Snapchat filters and the Instagram filters. Like, you know, really, when is the last time you felt comfortable allowing to show yourself to the world? Um, Because one of the things I wrote down about that is... We are built for connection as human beings. So it's, you know, one of the most valuable things like now how we're here sharing our story. And I know us sharing our story is going to impact or touch someone's life. So that's another part of the journey. And what does it look like? Share your story because we're built for connection. Um, Another thing is put down your phones. Put them down Like, seriously, like, you know, how many times do you go into a restaurant and you see a family sitting there and each one of them has their phones out? Yeah, it it wears me out, man. It drives me insane. And so one of the things with, you know, I've started with my friends is put your phones down when we are out, when we are at dinner, unless we're, you know, taking the picture to remember the moment, but put your phones down. Get back to, you know, again, conversation before, you know, what happened when we didn't have cell phones? You had to go pay that quarter in the phone phone booth, you know, but, you know, before we were spending time with one another. Um, another thing is, again, Marnina, I love it. You know, I said it. It's, it's what we do. Your daily affirmations. Mm-hmm. You got to get back to your daily affirmations. If you haven't started it, let me start one for you. It's as Marnina said, and what it is, it's daily affirmations is I am statements. And for me, it is I am love. I am light. And I am enough. So, you know, get to what is that for you? And, you know, people talk, oh my God, that's just so much. That's so corny. That's so, you know, but it's not. When you get into a pattern of doing it and what, you know, we know a pattern, some say, some say, some people say a pattern is 14 days. Others say it's 21 days. I, of course, if you can get to 21 days of affirmations, please try that. Um, But nothing else, for sure, do it if you can for 30 days. Like she said, go on a self-love journey and, you know, speak love and speak life into yourself. You got to do that. And another thing is, is for those that um, if you've never tried it, meditation. Meditation is phenomenal. I tell people I do have ADHD. Um, I didn't get diagnosed to an adult. Um, but yes, you know, so it's hard for me sometimes to shut off. But once I've learned Um, how to meditate or once I learned how to meditate, it was the most phenomenal thing in the world just to silence yourself for just a moment. Um, Again, if that's something you've never tried, let's start with five minutes. Find you, go on YouTube, find you a meditation app and sit there in silence and just love on yourself for a moment Um, and just enjoy that moment. Another thing that you guys can do is journaling. Journaling is phenomenal. 
I don't know if you guys do that, but spend some time. You know, we we talked about there's two things. Journaling is a part of therapy. Mm. Therapy is journaling. If you're not able to get to a therapist, um, because sometimes, you know, individuals aren't for whatever reasons and whatever barriers we know that exist. Journaling is the next best thing to sitting with me or someone like me. And Shadon, I want to help uh, just kind of share something real quick. There's <laughs> since we're talking about phone apps and stuff, we are still going to use them. Right. But there's one called Simple Habit yes. that I found. And it is it works so well for those that are quote unquote busy, because it will guide you like whatever's going on. I'm at work and I need to energize myself. It will take you on a three to four minute meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes I remember reading uh, Russell Simmons book on meditation and he was talking about how people feel like it has to be, be attached to a template, like it has to look like something, but it really is whatever you figure out that works for you. You mm -hmm. just have to start. What I want to do real quick, um, I want to jump into this sex positive piece, though. So I want Marnina to start. And I know Ian has a whole whole thought on it too but marnina what is sex positivity what does that mean he is so hilarious Ian is so ready that's why i switched to you first his facial expressions are killing me over here um so for me sex positivity means all sex is good sex as long as it's healthy and consensual so that's my little textbook version of sex positivity. But um, it took me a while to understand what sex positivity meant, what it was. For so long, we think that um, because we're so bombarded with visuals of sex or sexy people or sex on TV and sex is everywhere and sex sales. But a lot of times we, especially living in the South, we think that sex is something that is not supposed to happen before marriage. Like folks have some weird views on sex sometimes. And I think that we need to get back to like loving sex and talking about sex and having those conversations about sex before you even have sex with your partner. It's just, it's a lot. And so um, that's what I believe about sex positivity. I love me some good, good sex. I love sex. Um, I think it is something that could connect you to your partner. I think it's something that even if, even if you aren't partnered, even if it's just somebody you just want to, you know, hook up with for the night. I think sex it can be really, really, really um, just a, a moment of just pure bliss, even if it's something that you're just doing with somebody for the first time and you don't want to do it no more. So, Marnina, with my disclosure a little while ago about masturbating, uh, is that considered sex positive? Hell yeah. Okay, Hell right. yeah. Okay. And I think um, that we don't even talk about masturbation enough because, you know, masturbation is really the ultimate gift that you can give yourself. You know, I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I, I masturbate almost every other day. <laughs> I got to. I got to. It's so important to me. I just bought me some more toys. They'll be here on Thursday. Yes, God. Yes, God. I seen a little. They got a little suction thing now, y'all. But that they suck the clit. I ain't never seen that before. I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out. Look, I'm looking on Google. I don't have a clit, but I'm looking. On I invested in a prostate massager. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's important. Oh, a, a good prostate massage that'll mess you up. What? I'm not talking about a dildo, y'all. It's the difference. One goes to one spot, and the other one just kind of fishes around till it finds it. Ooh. So this is this is definitely a part of being sex positive, like being able to even talk about that. Like, you know, men have a I guess I've seen this before. Men have a G spot. Yes. You know, so 
talking about that and understanding that one and that stimulating doesn't. And I just I just I just I would be remiss if I didn't speak about uh, this differentiation of what I consider sex positivity. Right. Um, I am really I'm really um, getting a little bothered if I can be honest, by the fact that sex positivity is always equated to the idea of um, being promiscuous, right? Now, sex positivity is the idea that you can be promiscuous or that promiscuity is not necessarily a negative thing, but it is not saying that you are sex positive, so you have to be promiscuous, right? And I think that um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there are a lot of people who are having sex out of pain and trauma, and just because it's consensual, they are saying that they're sex positive. That is not sex positivity. That is having sex because you don't know how to communicate your pain and trauma. And so I do want to make a a really clear line between the idea of sex positivity and promiscuity, because I surely am tired of my community coming to tell me that they, if you don't even have a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a scientific a phenomenon that you are supposed to have a response to a stimulus, right? And so if you aren't horny, why are you having sex? Right? Like if you if you don't have uh something to stimulate you and then you just want to go have sex because you're you're hurting or you're in pain. And I totally agree. Masturbation and sex can be really good coping mechanisms. But if the, your coping mechanism is becoming your trauma, if you are scared when you go sit down in a in a, in a room with the HIV counselor because of the, the fact that you are not being responsible with the type of body you have um, or with the type of sex you have, then that is not particularly, necessarily, sex positivity. I Just love when uh, Ian breaks the uh, pulpit out. You, know, you, you can feel the, the voice like, you know, I love it. I love it. We're That's why I mentioned this. that it got to be healthy. Yes. yes. When yes, I say yes. healthy and consensual, yes. I mean healthy in each and every way. Not only, and I think a lot of people misconstrue the word healthy because they think healthy is just, oh, you put on a condom or oh, you take prep. Oh. No, healthy means like you are doing it because you want to do it. You are not being forced to do it. Nobody's raping you. Nobody's uh, molesting you. Nobody's, uh, you know, it's, it's all of those things. Like you're having you're sex because you want to. And you're not using sex as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know we got to wrap up, but yes, we got to get back to that because it was. Yeah, that's, you, that's a. Yeah, yeah, we have to bring I mean, that uh, subject back now, especially now that I know what it is, you know, right. what it means. Well, because again, you you made a good point about sex positivity versus promiscuity. And promis- promiscuity is often reared out of trauma, out of pain, out of hurt. And so I'm, you know, I'm hearing and I have been like you hearing the word sex positive and really trying to understand what did that mean? You know, when we hear that, because I'm a big proponent of making sure that you do not use sex as a tool and as a coping skill to mask the pain and the hurt that so many of us have experienced. So I'm going to stop it there because I know we have no, to wrap that's, up. No, that's but. good. I, what I want to do is um, take uh, 10 seconds. I want you to share one thing that you're taking away from this conversation that you want the listeners to hear. Uh, let's start with uh, Marnina. So I think what I'm going to take away is talking about sex in a more healthy way and talking about sex positivity in a more healthy way, like Ian was saying, and making sure that I differentiate the fact that when you are talking about sex positivity to also talk about the healthy ways to have sex. Because I think a lot of the times when I do have these talks about sex positivity, I don't always 
infiltrate the idea of, you know, um, having sex in a healthy way. Okay, Ian? Yeah, I think what I want to take away from this um, and what I want the listeners to take away from this is that we are all feeling those same thoughts. And it's about how you deal with those thoughts. Um, Don't sit with those thoughts, work through those thoughts and understand that you're not an anomaly in the situation um, and that we're all feeling the same way. And for me to the listeners, it is to, as we talked about dating love and fat fat phobia is definitely spend some time learning to love yourself, finding what that means, what that looks like, and definitely just love on yourself and know that you need to first love yourself before anyone else can love you. So what I want to do um, for our last minute, I just I asked Ian if he could read uh, some words from Essex Hempfield as we close out uh, this conversation. Yes, this is called American Wedding. In America, I place my ring on your cock where it belongs. No horseman bearing terror, no soldiers of doom will swoop in and sweep us apart. They're too busy looting the land to watch us. They don't know we need each other critically. They expect us to call in sick, watch television all night, die by our own hands. They don't know we are becoming powerful. Every time we kiss, we confirm the new world coming. What the rose whispers before blooming, I vow to you. I give you my heart a safe house. I give you promises other than milk, honey, liberty. I assume you will always be a free man with a dream. In America, place your ring on my cock where it belongs. Long may we live to free this dream. So this episode brushed up on love, fat phobia, and sex. And it was a it hit pretty close to home for me personally, um, just because my journey with self-love has been kind of rocky from the start. I'm a lot better now, but I didn't grow up really having that love for myself. And that kind of reflected mm-hmm. in the people that I was like around and the people that I had sex with and relationships with and everything else. Like I kind of let everyone that I was with kind of dictate my self-worth for me in a way. And that was all just tied into me feeling shitty about myself because I had like a really weird view of my body. Like I think I had some like internalized fat phobia, like not fat phobic towards fat people because I don't really judge other people because their body weight, like my mother is overweight. So I was raised by someone who, who is fat and was, very confident and helped me be confident in my body anyway, or at least tried to. She tried her best. It didn't really work. But um, I would often feel like the people that I was like with were always like smaller than me. And like, yeah, we would wouldn't really be dating but we would like have sex and stuff and but they never would actually want to date me and I chalked it up to it being the fact that I was bigger than them instead of whatever the hell else is wrong with me because there's probably a really long laundry list of stuff it was like little stuff like that you know not really treating myself well you know falling in with people who didn't also treat me well and not really feeling confident in myself and it wasn't until I like kind of moved or like until I got older that I really began to like appreciate myself I didn't really start appreciating myself like in the fullest until I like moved away just because I feel like I was able to just be myself more in a way and just kind of like honor myself more because there was no one else around 
that I like knew. So I knew that if I wanted to feel good, it had to be my responsibility completely and in total Mm -hmm. because I didn't have like my friends around and be like, oh, you're cute. Oh, you're cool. Oh, you're whatever, you know? Um, Yeah. Which can be lonely, but I feel like in a way it definitely helped me. And yeah, so I started to really recognize myself as being someone that could be confident. And now I am. And yeah, that's my journey on self-love and self-positivity. And I remember earlier in the episode, they were talking about uh, having self-affirmations. I keep actually a jar of affirmations on my um, on my dresser drawer and I pull a piece of a slip of paper that I write on when I get bored out every day and read them out loud to myself and then put them in a little cauldron and then I take it to the park and burn it. So that's my way of like my self-love ritual, my routine to keep myself on track. And I don't know if people want to have cauldrons and stuff, but I definitely recommend <laughs> everyone getting like an affirmation jar for sure. But that's just the way that I do it. So yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I really hear that, especially with try to really dismantle um fat phobia mm-hmm. and my fat phobia specifically right because i was like i had to really do a lot of that kind of work and really think about like why is it that the only people that i'm having sex with are smaller than me right mm-hmm. and then once i like really dove into that and really 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 thought about it, i was just like oh shit like it was just like a light bulb moment right and so mm-hmm. i think at some point everyone will has to come to that moment right and also not even just like dismantling that but I had a lot of internalized colorism right I for a long time since I was a kid was like oh I wish my skin were white or oh I wish I had blue eyes or something like that right like mm-hmm. I, I very much grew up feeling like I wasn't worth love based on the way I looked Right. And so when you were talking about how you didn't grow up with a lot of self-love or confidence, I hear you so much on that, but more like on the color of my skin. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I think when I shaved my head the first time around, this was probably like junior year of college, junior, senior year. That's when I started really learning to love myself because the one thing that people would always compliment me on is my hair. They would say, oh my God, I love your hair. It's so cute, so curly, so wavy, whatever. And I just cut it all off. And it was like one of those things where it's like I took away the thing that, you know, people usually focus on and now they kind of can't do that. So now I have to figure out what else about me is really wonderful or beautiful or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when I started really, really going in, trying to accept me and love me for all of me. And some days are still really hard, right? But I do think that I am in a much better place now. Like, I love the color of my skin. Like, I love being Latinx. I love being brown. I think it's beautiful. I think it's powerful. And so... Uh, that took me a really long time to get to this point, though. No, I truly feel that. That's good. I mean, that's good f- compared to me, at least. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that interview. Kevin did a really great job um, speaking with people and also having like a therapist or yeah. you know, um, a certified person in the room to ease things up, which we haven't been able to have ever. Uh, Yeah, we didn't get a chance to do that, but I really like that idea. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, for me in the progress of like 
self-love, it's really tough. I mean, being in the city, it's like being in New York City alone is just like lonely. But I do have my partner, which is nice to help alleviate all the things when it comes to like self-love. Though I know like, you know, you have to find it yourself in order to like move on, which is kind of hard. Yeah. That circle or community around, it's like, what the hell are you going to do? You know, like if you don't love yourself, then no one's going to love you. Well, at the same time, well, sorry. Um, I was going to say that the, the only thing I don't like about the idea of like, if you can't love yourself, no one else will love you. I don't think I totally am in on board with that just because it doesn't take into the nuance of mental illness. Not that I'm saying that, you know, everyone that has mental illness doesn't love themselves. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have depression just like how thousands of other people do. Right. And there are days where I don't love myself, but that doesn't mean that I'm not worthy of someone loving me. Right. I think that there has to be some kind of self-awareness that, you know, like, yes, I don't love myself. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but this is only temporary. I don't know. Like, I hope I'm making sense about this. I just, I I don't really like, yeah. Like, I just don't like this idea that, oh, if you don't love you, then no one else will. It's like, well, I, loving me is a process though. (laughs) You know, like, um, I guess, I guess I just mean like when, when you're like down in the dumps and you're pity and hopeless and like, you can't really help yourself, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know that you can. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I definitely have intense depression, but like, I don't know if you can't help get out of bed. Well, I mean, like, I don't even want to say that because sometimes I get stuck in bed too. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. If that action of like not wanting to, if you show that, I guess, like to other people, then they won't, you know, they'll treat you just as shitty as the way you're treating yourself. No, no, I. Out of I my <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I get what you're saying. I do. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. right. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you know when, when you have depression, you have days where you don't want to get out of bed. It's like I don't want to get out of bed. I want to get out of bed, but I right. I cannot get out of bed. And it's and the and the you know even thinking about wanting to get out of bed is already a first step in the right direction. And Mm -hmm. so when, when people know, when the people you love around you know that that's where your intentions are at, then they're more willing to help you out. I think what I think is what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. More or less, you know, yeah. 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 Nuance, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. More or less. Thanks for listening in y'all. This will be exciting to keep doing. And I know the platform is going to be looking different, but since this is our first full episode and it coming along, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I'm really excited. And earlier I mentioned the episode too, that it was uh Valentine's day that just came not too long ago. So right. did y'all do anything with your booze since we're all booed up? I did a lot of nothing. That's what we <laughs> wanted to do. <laughs> We had seafood. That's what we both like eating. So we just went and had seafood in our sweats, which was cute. So that's cute. Shit. What did um, y'all do? Elise and I went out dancing at our favorite, like, uh, like queer hip hop night. It was super cute. Um, we tipped the dancers. We got fed strawberries and whipped cream on stage. Well, we weren't on the stage, but the person was on the stage. It was really cute. And we saw a lot of people had some expensive ass drinks and wiggled around on the dance floor it was cute i love it jake and i didn't do anything we just laid on the couch he picked me up from work 
And we were both like, we don't want to fucking cook. So we just picked up Taco Cabana, <laughs> like uh, around the corner from us and went home and just ate that shit and like watch SVU or something like that. And it was like a really nice Valentine's Day because I've had a really long week and I'm just like, honestly, this is all I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is the first Valentine's Day where Jake and I are actually not only living in the same city, but also living together, you know, because we're a long distance. And so this is like the first time that we actually got to spend Valentine's Day together in person. So that was really nice. Sounds cute and relaxing. Well, Indy sh- fed people strawberries. I mean, I guess it's pretty relaxing. <laughs> no, I was fed. I was fed a strawberry no, no. by one of the dancers. No. Oh, you fed a strawberry. And that sounds amazing. Now? <laughs> I'm going to tell Jake to feed me some now. We have some in the fridge. Be like, hey. Yeah. Give me strawberries. Wrong, obviously. <laughs> Give me strawberries in my mouth. right anyway y'all this has been great and i can't wait to do this for the next episode yeah i I don't even know what the next episode's gonna be i know that sounds really bad but can't tell them well we can't tell them but i'm also like do i know (laughs) but you know you can't tell them either (laughs) you have to follow on all those pages yeah y'all have to Y'all have to follow us on every single social media page, and we're doing our best to keep them updated. We're busy. We're sorry. Um, but if if you haven't yet, please follow us at veer underscore queer htx on Twitter. And if you haven't yet, please, please, please like our Facebook page, which is Veer Queer Podcast. And please also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify or wherever you stream your podcasts and you know leave us a rating you know give us a like tell us yeah like we we really want to hear from y'all we we really do like we want to know what's going on like did y'all do anything for valentine's day do you hate valentine's day like just tell us what's up right but with that i am julian and i'm my and i'm indy <laughs> and we will talk to y'all soon. See you next time. Bye. Vera Queer is a Spectrum Self podcast hosted by Julian Gomez, Mai Ha, and Andesha Haynes with interviews by Kevin Anderson, Vernis McFarlane, DeAndre Moore, and Melanie Termina Payne. Series produced and edited by Danny Benoit. Episodes are released bi weekly. Be sure to subscribe to Veer Queer on iTunes and Spotify. Episodes are also available at SpectrumSelf.com. Visit SpectrumSelf.com to learn more.